It's the final countdown. I forgot the tune. It's the final chapter. Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm a person that has limbs it's 3 a.m in the morning and we're reading chapter 22 of prisoner of azkaban aka the final chapter the, the final chapter this also might be a section of chapter 21 because yes. editing hannah doesn't yet know we do not know we talked for a very long time so we were splitting it at miscellaneous point it's a surprise it's a by surprise now i assume that you've already listened to the last episode so you already know where but we split we it don't. however we do not so it's a surprise <laughs> i was doing punching motions as i did that that's exciting i love you an see? audio medium where you cannot see our wild gesturing that was a cliffhanger. Did you see it? It was a cliffhanger. Yep, I love a good cliff. I want to jump off one one day. Soon. Enjoy the episode! Bye! Bye. Hey guys, a super quick note from Editing Hannah just before you start listening to the episode. As we're talking about time travel, we basically use this episode to compare time travel to loads and loads of other examples of time travel in pop culture. Mainly we talk about Game of Thrones, we talk about Marvel Avengers Endgame, uh, we talk about Doctor Who briefly, um, but basically all of those things that we talk about when we talk about them majorly will be timestamped in the description of this episode so that if you haven't watched any of those things and you're planning on it and you don't want spoilers or you're just super not interested you can skip those bits where we're comparing it to those specific other bits of pop culture and you kind of won't miss anything in the episode because we're specifically talking about that yeah so you can just whiz through that especially if you want to avoid spoilers so that's all in the description so i'm neil mccorrie and time travel is my absolute favourite fiction trope. It is something that I get intensely, intensely nerdy Erect. about. Nerdy about. Um, <laughs> um, and it's also something that I have studied in a scientific manner. You oh, actually no. did a, a, a long-form essay about I this. I did indeed. I have read many a book on the actual scientific prospect of whether time travel could happen or not. And it is something that I just love watching analyzing whether it's done well or badly summarize that essay for us in seven words <laughs> yes forwards probably not backwards unless unless that's the essay oh cliffhanger <laughs> yeah i like it that was seven words as well well done yeah. well done no worries when i think about time travel fiction i think about it in two main brackets which are, i think I was just sort of Googling around this subject in the last week. I think these are two brackets that I've accidentally made up myself. Like, people do talk about these brackets in other terms, but I think the terms are things that I use and not many people on the internet use, correct me if I'm wrong. So you're saying you are the orator, you are the leader. These two groups are open loop and closed loop time travel. So closed loop is when we only ever see one timeline and that timeline remains unchanged. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Game of Thrones, both really interesting examples of closed loop. Mm -hmm. Open loop is when you see something getting changed and then it has ramifications on things you've already seen happen. Back right. to the Future, 
Cursed Child and uh, MCU spoilers turn off now if you don't know things, Avengers Endgame. The point is, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is not only what I think is one of the most succinct versions of closed-loop time travel in not just, like, children's literature, but literature in general. So it cut out my point about what is... So So closed-loop time travel is where they go either back or forwards in time, and it the events that it changes or that occur have already or do already happen. So we are just seeing a repeat or an explanation of the changes that are occurring. Open loop time travel is where you travel back or forwards in time and doing that changes the course of events drastically. Can't believe you just woman-splained the point I just made to me. Well, I was uh, worried about what that had cut out. No, 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 sorry. The tab is actually hand-splained. Hand-splained. So Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. But I think it is my personal favourite example of time travel in fiction. Okay. I think it is beautifully written. It's beautifully done. And there are so few holes in it. It is just perfectly set up mm. closed loop time travel to the point where I get almost a little bit emotional about it. It is really beautifully, beautifully Cry. done. <laughs> but I think she was limited by a very short book. And I think that's what makes it brilliant. Like, she couldn't go into it too in depth. Mm. And also, in my head, I always thought the time travel chapters were multiple chapters. Hermione's secret, or whatever this chapter is called, is literally mm-hmm. one chapter. The time travel is limited to one chapter. And that limitation allows her to do it perfectly. Like, she is forced to do it perfectly. And yet, if you think about it, the time travel chapters are actually the last eight chapters or so. It's been set up that well. It's been happening the whole time. Yeah, Harry and Hermione are there the entire last eight chapters. The ramifications of the time travel are there from about eight chapters ago. Yeah. And that is stunning. It's incredible. Because you don't notice it until it's happening. This is point one that I'd like to make. We are discovering this along with Harry. Harry is not aware that time travel is even something that you can do in the wizarding world until this exact moment. Yeah. And that is one of four reasons I wrote down why this works so bloody well. Well, we'll bring up the rest of the four as, as we get to them. I'd almost rather just run through them now. Well, I have a question, though. Does can, Dumbledore... can I run through the reasons? I think you're about to say one of my reasons. Well, one of my questions is, does Dumbledore know what's going on? So this is, in my opinion, the most important crux of the whole thing. Okay. Dumbledore is the instigator of this entire affair. But he knows what's going on yes. in the moments where the time travel has yet to happen. He doesn't know seemingly. it. Seemingly. So this is, oh, this is the beauty of it. He doesn't know it because it's yet to happen. He knows it because he sees it happening. How does he see it happening? Because he does, because it's already happened. We only ever see oh. one timeline. Oh. How? Because there's a lot of other things. This is where something like Avengers Endgame can be brought into it. Go on then. So in Avengers Endgame, Avengers. they travel back in time and they change something. They take back one of the Infinity Stones. Well, they take back all of them, but let's just look at one example in particular. And uh, I can't think of what her name is, but Tilda Swinton's character from Doctor Strange she explains really clearly to uh, the Hulk that... <laughs> sorry, just saying that out loud sounds really bloody ridiculous, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> this is a very, very normal conversation. That by taking the Infinity Stone out of her timeline, they are creating a new timeline 
that is going to go in a different direction. It essentially creates a new universe. And that, to me, the only the, the thing that really reminds me of and learning about new universes is, for me, Doctor Who. Mm. The episode, I, I believe it's the final David Tennant, the final David Tennant series of episodes where Rose discovers her dad in a different timeline and they're talking about, you know, Rose making some decisions and they're talking about how every decision Rose makes is creating a different timeline in mm. a different universe and parallel universes are just stacked side by side by side by side by side by side by side and you are just happening to live in one of them. But that idea of parallel universes being stacked on top of each other mm. and decision making being the thing that creates parallel universes is open loop time travel. Very. So this is one of the reasons I loved Avengers Endgame, because it is one of the most dedicated versions of open loop time travel I've ever seen. Not in that it shows you all the ramifications of it, but in that firstly it tells you the ramifications will happen, and secondly, based on what they've announced when it comes to future TV series and films, they are dedicating to it. They are going with the multiverse thing. The Doctor Strange sequel is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or something. That's a terrible name. The Loki TV series that's coming out is based on the fact that he stole the Infinity Stone and it's the fact that he's still alive and he has an Infinity Stone now. Like They have fully dedicated to the absolute ball of anarchy that happens. I didn't know that and I I like that because Endgame definitely left a lot of things open. And they're going to do it all. A lot of... And I and I love that because I I feel like you can definitely do time travel and be like yeah this opens fucking plot holes and and as long as you roll with it and mm. and I feel like in a franchise like Marvel where I mean really you want as many spin-offs to make as much money as possible mm. I feel like that is such a fun tool to have where you're like yeah so we did the whole time travel thing and now there's a million plot holes that we can make money off that is fucking genius that is what comic books have been doing for decades now yeah. and i'm so glad they brought it to the films but yeah you, that is that is so true and i and i didn't know that that is what they were doing i just thought the end game was just this like oh well here's a load of plot holes and I, i'm really glad to hear that they're they actually are, leaning into it they are if running you, with every if plot you hole. lean into it it's fucking fine but it, if honestly like you can use it as a narrative device but it bothers me more when they're just like we're just gonna ignore this and i guarantee you there is going to be a film probably in about 10 marvel films time where they go into a different universe and just bloody robert downey jr is there as tony stark i hope so and they're not going to announce it beforehand and everyone's going to go in that exact voice personally maybe maybe in the sense i grew up with harry potter it was my Mm. first kind of young fiction thing what I've grown up with. I prefer closed loop time yes. travel. I feel that open loop time travel hurts my brain a lot. So. In a lot of ways. Like, And the main thing I can think of is that Rose episode, David Tennant and Rose episode of Doctor Who. And because it was quite formative for me and it's very emotional. And that's open loop time travel in the sense that the Doctor creates a second being and then they go and live in an alternate universe. And it was very emotional and very, oh my God, I literally nearly died of sobbing age 14 watching that but closed loop is more tidy basically i I never thought i would love again after watching the doctor and rose thing literally (laughs) i'm just like like, this is it i'm dead i'm done (laughs) so like i think the difficulty though is closed loop is really hard to do well 
Open Loop is as well, but Open Loop you can get away with not doing well because everyone knows that time travel gets messy. But if someone tries to do closed loop and they accidentally leave a couple of massive holes, mm. ruins it completely. If someone does open loop and it leaves massive holes, it's like, oh yeah, of course it's open loop time travel. Look at Back to the Future. That film is full of ridiculous holes. But it's fine because they go back and they change stuff. Look at Cursed Child. Let's not Let's look not at look at Cursed Child. Child. You can bring I, I, me I back for that. I don't know what you're talking about. Cursed, what, Doesn't cursed, exist. The play that shall not be named. Okay, Fanatical Vixen, an episode about Cursed Child. And then on their Instagram, they drew a picture of what the time travel looked like in Cursed Child. I've seen this, and yeah. It's so good because it doesn't make any sense, the picture. Can, can we do this? Can we properly sit down and, and like, yeah. act, like actually fucking go in neil would be what, the best person child to try yeah yeah like we definitely we need to go and see it right before like i've not seen it since it first came out and i saw it in the previews we, we saw it a year ago the problem is it's just completely broken yeah is that but like it doesn't work yeah, yeah. time travel does not work in it and this is my thing with the cursed child i was just like up to the first half like this is fine it's not amazing but it's, it's fine i'm enjoying the theater the plot is fine and then right before before the first um half they were just like a time turner. I was mm. like, no! no! The, um... J.K. Rowling basically in these chapters puts limits on herself and she's very clever in knowing when to put limits on herself. Oh, she really is. She's very clever at knowing what she can't do. She can't do time travel. Time, time travel. Shut up. Time travel in the big sense of the world. What she can do very well is I've got three hours. How can I plot this? She limits herself. She gives herself barriers mm. and she does it fucking perfectly. And it's amazing. And you wanted to talk about some of the things in the film that I like and you don't like. So also, I'd like to say at this point that I think this is a really good example of J.K. Rowling definitely knowing precisely what she's doing as she's writing it. Yeah. Whereas one of my hot takes, which I don't think I've said on the podcast previously, is that I don't believe she knew what she was doing with Horcruxes until book six. <laughs> Take. Hottest hot take. take. I yeah. I don't think she knew. You haven't read book six since it came but out. Even just the concept and what I've read since, I think when she did the whole diary thing, mm. she just thought it was a fun idea. I don't think she had any idea about Horcruxes or anything about like that. I know. I, <laughs> I think we should come back to that at a later date because oh. that's a whole different issue. I it cannot is. wait, and I cannot wait for you to reread and to see whether you this still is the agree. thing. Yeah, so, still I'm not. That. I'm I'm kind of neutral on that. Mm. Yeah, so same. I'm not saying like, oh, you're going to change your mind. I just mean like, I can't wait to see if you do change. I'm yeah, really so glad I've got that on the record now, and I hope yes. you keep that in because I think she had no idea what she was doing with Horcruxes. We've said after reading book two that I don't believe she. Personally, mm. I don't believe that she had the entire thing planned out, but she knew she wants to make it more important than it was. Now, see, I think she just genuinely thought, oh, what a cool idea. Let's have his memory in a book. And she didn't think about it any further than that. Right. Yeah. I'm going to disagree. <laughs> I think I think this is going to be I might end up disagreeing with myself. And I love that. That is the point of this podcast. That's what I really love about this thing is that I think I might end up saying, Neil, you idiot. But back to the time. Tra- I, back to the time. No, tra- I just I. I'm just going to say I cannot wait to physically fight this out because I I would be entirely on your side. Mm. However, J.K. Rowling wrote the books knowing that she had to have some kind of plot device to explain why Voldemort survived. She wrote book one, book two, book ah. three. 
knowing that there had to be some kind of plausible, actual, really good, valid excuse for why Voldemort did not die. But they say in this book that he's still alive and he's half alive. He is half alive! Yeah, Yeah, but that doesn't... You don't need Horcruxes for that. He might have just, like, been a bit hurt. No! What? No, 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 Okay, should we park this? We're going to park this. This is not what this book's about. We're going to park this. Stay tuned to watch us fight it out in two years' time. I'm really looking forward to it. Back to time travel. So my question was about... So there are certain things in the film... Yes. That we slightly disagree on. And I, I, I'm only, I try to only talk about the film when we do the film episodes, but this relates to the time no, travel. We need to talk about the film because okay. it's important. So the film important. adds certen things into closed loop time travel. And what it adds in is extra things to make you notice that the plot is repeating itself. So the things it adds in specifically is stone throwing. There are four things that the film adds that I could think of. Okay, I just had stone throwing. He's got four. There are four things. This is where I've got so many thoughts on this whole thing. This is this could He's be hours and hours so of content. Many. Thing number one that the film adds, which I think is way better, as we've already discussed, is that they stay in the hospital wing. Yes. They do not end up in the great, no, not the great hall, the, the entrance hall, hall for some no reason. Sense. That's dumb. I think there's also issues with the hospital wing thing, as discussed, but I think it makes a lot more sense than them being in the entrance hall. Thing number two that the book, the film adds that I think is better than the book is that the executioner hits a pumpkin, not the fence. You'd know the difference between an executioner hitting a, a bit of wood and hitting something that's alive. No, but, but picture yourself with an axe. Look, bear in mind I spent all day chopping heads off. Okay, no, but seriously, picture yourself with like an axe. Picture yourself hitting a tree. Picture yourself hitting like a a turkey, like a roast turkey, like a pre-prepared it's got a turkey. Bone in it. Yeah, but it would make like a wet noise. But you are going uh, way too in depth into this. But but like, I feel like if you if heard you him have, hit a fence, no. You'd... But like if if you, as you know, a faraway bystander, heard the two, you wouldn't be like, hmm. That wasn't moist You enough. hear... No, but and, those and are, I like, brought, distinctly different noises. No, I brought no. this up with Melissa. You... The, Harry, Ron, and Hermione hear what they are expecting yeah. to yes. hear. Yeah. Your brain and fills shit you have to Also, they are far away at this point. So they hear a hmm. swish of an axe, and in their brains they know Buckbeak is being executed. Okay. So whatever they're going to hear, they're going to interpret it as hmm. Buckbeak also, dying. This is whatever one of the minor it, points. But like whatever it is, like it's it's gonna be on some kind of like I don't know, like stoop. Like it's gonna be on some kind of wooden, you know, whether it's like a tree trunk or and like an execution kind of like right. uh block. Like it is going into wood, it's just whether it is going through neck or like pumpkin. But just for the visual as well i feel like if you saw him lift the axe above his but head they don't whack. see it no but if they happened to yeah but they then, don't but they don't they do but the they film, could actually they do in the film actually this might be one of the re- reasons why i film. love it point three this is where i have to start bringing in all the other points that i want to make as well point three is the stone throwing i like stone throwing it's dumb it's really <laughs> really dumb well, I'll leave then because a man has told me it's dumb. So no, no, no. no. You, we can talk about this, but the whole beauty of this closed loop time travel mm-hmm. is that Hermione firstly knows the importance of not mucking about with the timeline, mm. and secondly, that I can't think what the second thing I was going to say was because we've had so many punk IPAs. 
Um, but the point is, like, it's just a really stupid thing for Hermione to do, and it doesn't suit the character that they've built for Hermione in the book version of this time travel scene. She knows she shouldn't do that. It's Harry who does it. Is it not Hermione that does it? I thought that only happened in the film. It does no, it only does. happen in the film. And I That's what I'm saying. I quite liked it yeah. because when you first watch the film, it adds to this weirdness of what's going on? Oh, it doesn't matter. We're but, moving on. And I like the fact that it then gets brought back. And it, I think, I think cinematography-wise, when you can't explain it in hmm. words, the stone, the, the stone throwing adds a visual element that is difficult to explain in words. It's cool from that perspective, but let's picture it from the perspective of time travel because it very nearly breaks the closed loop. If Hermione had thrown the stone or Harry, whoever throws the stone, if they'd thrown the stone, they'd looked out the window, seen the executioner and then left immediately, that would have broken the loop. Conveniently, they don't leave until the last minute anyway when Cornelius Fudge and that get to the door. They leave then. That is the latest moment they could have possibly left. It leaves everything intact. But if Hermione had made them leave earlier than they did in the apparent initial timeline, that messes the whole thing up and it breaks the loop. Luckily, it doesn't change anything anyway. But if you look at it... But it can't change anything. As a device in closed loop time travel, it physically can't change anything. Because they're playing into closed loop time travel. No, no, no. The only reason they're playing into closed loop time travel is because the time travel is closed loop. Hermione very nearly breaks the loop. Hermione states... You can't break... No, but you can't can break the loop if you're within closed time travel. Everything you do is already there. No, no, like, no, no. This comes up when Harry shows himself. Harry shows himself to Harry. He breaks closed loop time no, travel. No, he doesn't. For one very, very important reason. Two, in fact. One, Harry doesn't know that that's himself. And two, Harry doesn't know time travel is possible in the first instance of Harry. I'm a little bit turned on right now. <laughs> this is so so important so you're saying the fact that harry doesn't know about hermione's time turner makes a difference in closed loop time yes. travel to the fact that harry thinks it's james this could have been open loop if hermione had messed it up that's what so she states no but also if you're saying hermione had told them that she had a time turner halfway through the year that could have made a difference to the whole thing yes why because if harry was aware of the fact that she could time travel First and foremost, he might have figured out that that was him across the lake, okay. which meant that he knew that he had to go into the future to save himself, okay. which meant that when he went into the future and saved himself, he wouldn't then have to go into the future and save himself. And that's an open loop. Yeah. It's a paradox. You've oh, screwed God, it up. Oh, God, my brain. Yeah. That didn't so make any sense what this, you just said. No, this, is why the, this is why the stone throwing is dumb. Because if Hermione had thrown the stone and changed what would have happened yeah. anyway... That makes it open loop. Yeah, closed loop is not inherently closed loop. It's only closed loop because it is closed loop. Yeah, it hinges on things happening because they happen, not because of the time travel happening. Okay, so let's question closed loop. Right, let's just. I'm going to do this. Fuck it. It doesn't matter. It's one o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter. Closed loop yes. time travel implies that at some point you have had an original experience. Closed loop implies that you are only changing things that you're not aware of changing. Okay. At some point, Harry was not saved by Harry. No. Yes. No. 
This is why it is a beautiful closed loop thing. Help! No, no, no. So closed loop, the only time when closed loop happens is when open loop goes perfectly. So the reason this is a closed loop story is because we are only ever seeing one timeline. Everything happens in exactly the same way. But and when, no, 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 no. Wait, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. And when Hermione goes back, she is only trying to change something that she doesn't know has happened yet. Yep. The main thing she is going back to change is freeing Sirius. They also go back and they happen to free Buckbeak, mm. something which they don't know has already happened. Yeah, if anything, where the implausibility is, is the fact that Dumbledore advises them on things that he does not know yes. they don't How already does Dumbledore know. Dumbledore know? This, this is... is one of my main questions because Dumbledore knowing means that <laughs> Neil there was... is flailing. <laughs> Dumbledore knowing... And Dumbledore doesn't just know when he sends them back. Dumbledore knows at the point where McNair looks out the window. Therefore, if Dumbledore knows, there must have been an original timeline no. where this didn't work. This is the most beautiful thing that I've only realised on this reread is that Dumbledore knows the whole time. How? So, Dumbledore, we can assume from what he does. I think he briefly mentioned this earlier, Charlie. I'm having to concentrate so hard. Dumbledore mm. bides them time. He buys them time when they are in there, when he's about to go out and execute the guy, but they realise they haven't got Buckbeak away yet. We can assume from what happens in the chapter and the fact that Dumbledore sends them on the time travel escapade in the first place, that Dumbledore out the window sees Harry and Hermione, realises later that that is future Harry and Hermione and tells them to do it. No, 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 no. Because Dumbledore, when the executioner comes to Hagrid's heart yes. is making excuses so already knows it happens no. at that point. No, no, no. no. At that in point, he fil- doesn't know. In the no, film no, as no, well. No. In the book, in the book, he says, oh, McNair, you have to sign as well. And yes. then starts bullshitting no, about At that point, stuff. he knows. He knows at that point. That's when they're in the hut. That's when they're pulling Buckbeak away. So you think he's looked out the window and seen them? At that point, he knows. That's when he figures it out. So why has he figured it out? Tell because me he's why. seen them. So you think, okay, okay, okay. So McNair has looked out the window and seen Buckbeak. Yes. And then Dumbledore has peered out the window and seen Harry and Hermione. Figured it out. And has figured it all out from there. And that's why he says, McNair, you need to sign this as well. The fact that it is Dumbledore that figures it out and sends them back, but doesn't explain to them that that's why they're going back is one of the key reasons why this works perfectly as a closed loop time travel story. But you story. believe that moment yes. in Hagrid's heart is the moment he realises. It is so important that moment. He, if he, It never says he looks out the window though. It doesn't but it's implied. He's Dumbledore. It's implied. Dumbledore he's so careful in his language when he explains to Hermione what she needs to do. Yes. He is very very careful to imply that they can save Sirius who hasn't been killed yet. That's very important. He's not saying he's dead, go back and save him. He's saying he's about to die. If you go back, you can save him in five minutes' time. That's very key. Yeah, he says the key line is, what we need is more time. At this point, what's also very important is Dumbledore knows that Buckbeak is alive. Harry and Hermione do not. So Dumbledore, knowing that Buckbeak's alive and Harry and Hermione save them says to them, maybe you can save more than one life tonight. But this is all implying... Okay, so this is all implying that, obviously, this is what closed loop time travel means, that it was already happening. Yes. Because Dumbledore saw it already happening. But 
time travel must mean that there was an original timeline without it happening. No. How? How was there not an original timeline? we only ever see one unchanged timeline. So somewhere in a different universe, there is a different timeline. Yes, but as far as this story is concerned, and as far as this world is concerned, there is only one timeline. Yeah, no, no, I agree. There's only one timeline. But you could say that about anything. Like, I... Like, for example, if I pick up this book and throw it on the floor right now, I'm holding a book, folks. If I pick up this book and throw it on the floor, don't. It's quite an old. In another universe, I didn't do that. I've just made a new universe. But we're not in that universe. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, Dumbledore kind of, you know, he tells them to go back in time, but that's not to say they wouldn't have done it anyway. Yeah, but they wouldn't have without Dumbledore telling them. You don't know that. But even it, the, Hermione's pretty fucking smart. But Dumbledore... Okay, but that's kind of interesting because it kind of means that everything makes a difference to what you're going to do. There is never one factor that causes you to do anything, and I find that interesting in life. Anyway, like you can always say, like you can always say, like, oh, I did this because of this, but you don't. You did this because of X, Y, Z here, here, and here. But that was informed by that decision, and that person actually made that happen. Oh, so yeah, there's like, no way you can say that. There's no way you can say that Dumbledore. Although in my head I'm like Dumbledore sent them back. There's a hundred different nuances to why Dumbledore sent them back, and a hundred different ways this could have gone. And time travel isn't like oh, there's one parallel universe because one person made one decision. The amount of parallel universes that even be created in one minute in this planet is infinite. But this is what's so good about this story, is that there's none of that. We see the timeline that happens. Yeah. They could have got it wrong. If they'd done one single thing wrong in what they did, the whole of time would have been screwed up. What we don't see is that happening. The only thing we see is the one timeline that happens. Yeah. This brings me to the fourth thing that the film changed that actually messes this up. Hermione steps on a twig and breaks a twig and sees herself. And it's implied by what happens in the film. She turns around and goes, I could have sworn I saw... And that's the moment. That is the moment the whole thing breaks. Because at that point, Hermione that's knows. that's in the films, which are I bullshit. Know. So but this is the thing. surely that's the point where Hermione realises she might have to go back in time. But that ruins the whole thing. Because if she knows she has to go back in time by yeah. seeing herself go back in time, mm-hmm. she... Like, she wouldn't, by then doing it, she wouldn't have to go back in time in the first place. That creates a paradox. Wait, no, I don't get it. So, Hermione, by seeing herself back in time, mm. knows that later she has to go back in time. But yes. the only reason she knows that later she has to go back in time is because she's seen herself back in time. But surely that means, because Dumbledore is more passive in the films, he doesn't say you need to go back three hours. Hermione does a lot more of the realising herself, and she does a lot more of the realising herself. Because she realises she's seen herself. No. So they fix it by the fact that Dumbledore is given less... No, they don't. That doesn't fix it. How? Because if Hermione realises she needs to go back in time by seeing herself back in time, that creates a paradox loop in that she can only know she has to go back in time by going back in time. Dumbledore telling Hermione to go back in time makes no paradox yeah. whatsoever because it's oh, it's all about I don't intention. Get, sorry i don't understand no, the it's all about intention if saying. you if you go back to go back to change things that doesn't work mm. if you go back just to change things that you don't know that need changing the, the key is that they don't go back to change things yeah exactly they they just you know they go back 
They go back to, to do something that hasn't happened To yet. do something that they do not know for a fact has happened. They go back to save Sirius. If, if, I'm really if, if sorry, you know, but you're going to have to... I don't want to extend the podcast too much, but you're going to have to explain this to me later, not now, because okay. I'm no, not no, quite no, getting no. it. Explain it again, because if okay. Hannah doesn't get it, then someone listening will not get it. Oh, exactly. I'm not okay, so, okay, it. let's... Total, total focus. <laughs> oh, no, I like, I we need that, like, ju- who wants to be a millionaire money. I feel money. Really stupid. No, this is the thing. Can I've... you draw a diagram? I'm quite a visual learner. This is quite hard to draw a diagram of. Yeah. So, if Hermione... If Hermione... ...sees herself... Let's imagine Dumbledore isn't even part of this. Okay, Dumbledore's gone. Hermione only knows she has to go back in time because she's seen herself from the future. What if she only realises that later? What if she only realizes no. that at the That's moment? That's not. Hannah, the, no, no, no. You're, Hannah, you're Hannah, already Hannah. making this too complicated. If, you, if if you saw yourself and you were in but position, she only thinks she saw herself. She's not 100 no, no, sure. No, 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 no. If come no, on, Hannah, 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 Hannah. If you looked behind you and saw yourself whilst in possession of Time Turner, you would put two and two together. And All at right, that fine. point, you know, in the past, that you have to be at that place in the future. Therefore, you will go back to be at that place in the future so that you in the past knows that you have to be at that place in the future. That's a paradox. No, I'm sorry. I lost. Whereas, whereas, now just don't say anything. Let's just, let's just run through this. If Dumbledore tells Hermione she has to be, she has to go back. He doesn't say why. He doesn't say where. He doesn't say anything else. He just says you need to go back. Yeah. And that's the, that is the moment when Hermione finds out she needs to go back in time. Yeah, I understand. That that's doesn't funny. create a I, paradox. I don't understand where the first is creates paradox. Because, 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 because she only goes back in time. In that scenario, where she only knows to go back in time because she's seen herself, she only goes back in time because she's already seen herself. Why does that make a difference to the end result? Because why has she gone back in the first place? Okay, right. Right. Why Hannah. does that make a difference to Sirius getting rescued? That's the end result, Hannah. and it doesn't no, no, make a difference. No, no, but now you're. No, no. That's a different problem. That's no, diff- it isn't. It so is. This this may not work, but I'm going to try and put it into different Dumb circumstances. Yes. Dumb so turn. you're having a normal day, right? I am. And then I wasn't until you arrived in this part. <laughs> right. You're having a normal day, okay? And then you have the ability to time travel. And somehow you time travel, and whilst you're time traveling, you have sex with Sean Biggerstaff. Oh. Yeah, pretty great. Neil, if- Pre- pretty, pretty. Yes. Neil would be fine with it. Don't lie, <laughs> Neil. Okay, like that. That's fine. That's a that's a thing that that happened whilst you were time traveling, and then you you get pregnant with Sean's Scottish little leftist baby. Cool. However. Alternatively, you're having a normal day, but then you turn around and through a window, you see yourself having sex with Sean Biggerstaff. And then you're like, I must time travel and have sex with Sean Biggerstaff. So then you do time travel and have sex with Sean Biggerstaff. And then you, you get pregnant and that baby is Hitler. Right. But everything you've just said. Okay. I, I, I understand what okay. you're both saying. But all you're changing is the intention of the reason for going. And yes. that's the whole yes. point. That is the entire thing. How because, does that create because, a paradox? Okay, How does intention okay, create okay, a paradox? Okay, okay. because <laughs> if you time travel, because you know that you need to time travel, that wipes itself out. Why? 
Because you're only time traveling because you yes. know you need to time travel. And then that that creates... doesn't mean that Sirius doesn't get saved. No, no, it, that's not the no, point. no, no. That's not the point. However, it, it creates that question. If you're only time traveling because you time traveled, then why are you time traveling? Because if you didn't try time travel because you didn't know that you were going to time travel, then you wouldn't have time traveled because you didn't know that you were going to time travel because you didn't try. So you're basically you... saying there's no original. That is the issue here. The paradox is that there's no original. Yeah, but that's the whole point of a paradox is that it creates yeah. more possibilities. You wouldn't have gone back in time. So the paradox is it's creating open loop because there's yes. no original. Yes. yes. Because, oh! because you wouldn't have time travelled if you didn't time travel. If you only went back in time because you went back in time, that is what a paradox is because you right. wouldn't have so done that if you hadn't done that. forcing an open loop. Yes. Because, right. Whereas... It's, it's a forcing an open loop because there's no original. There's no original reason they time travel. Yeah. Whereas in the books, there's an original reason they time travel without relating to time travel. Mm-hmm. So the only reason they time right. travel is because someone else, third party, tells them to. So that's they... why Dumbledore himself can't go back in time. Yes. Because if he went back in time, that's a paradox. Right. But also, that creates a whole different problem in the only reason Dumbledore would go back in time is because he'd seen himself saving Buckbeak. And that's a whole different... Let's yep. park that as well because that's a whole different. I'm sorry, not to be. Okay, but... I feel not 100, but I'm sure. It's so important that Dumbledore does hard. it. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. So this is where I spotted a potential hole in the book. Oh no! Oh, give it I to me, Neil. To tell give it to me. me. <laughs> no, it's so perfect. Don't tell but me. Here's the funny thing: the plot hole doesn't happen here. Oh. Don't skip forward. He no, he's going forward. He's going, I'm going forward, everyone. You're not... I'm going backwards. Wait, what? Wait, the, the time? Plot... Huh? What? <laughs> the I... the ah! potential plot hole I spotted happens in chapter seventeen. I don't know what happened. Cat, rat, and dog. We li- we we read that Neil! with Melissa. You Neil! can't shit up what Melissa reads. So you better tweet an apology to Melissa. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have yet to decide whether this is a plot hole that she actually messed up or whether it's another level to how clever this is. It could go either way, and let me explain entirely why. I'm going with the second My one. body is ready, Neil. Do it to On me. On page 254... Of the UK edition. Of the UK edition of Prisoner of Azkaban. Professor Lupin says... The point is, even if you're wearing an invisibility cloak, you show up on the Marauder's map. I watched you cross the grounds and enter Hagrid's hut. 20 minutes later, you left Hagrid and set off back towards the castle. He should have seen the other. He would have seen the second Harry and Hermione. He should have. He 100% should have. Why didn't he? Now, now, wait, let me explain. I have three separate theories here. (laughs) I have three. Three. I hate to... Sound like a thirteen-year-old, but I'm shook. Three theories. Why did I never realise that Lupin sort of shit Neil? Three theories. Absolutely shit. If it's a closed-loop time travel, the other should have been there. Three theories. Okay. Theory one: J.K. Rowling fucked up. Yeah. Just like her political opinions in 2019. Theory number two. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is established that the professors know about the time turner. No. So I thought this mm. until it's made very clear that Snape 
doesn't know. Oh, this is something I was going to bring up in about half an hour's time. No, I know. So Snape very clearly doesn't know about the time turner. So therefore, I believe only Dumbledore and McGonagall know. So if that's the case, then this is still messed up. If Okay, if the professors know. If the professors know, Lupin may have seen it and thought, I'm going to go ahead and not mention that. Oh, fuck off. In that higher situation, he would have mentioned it. I think Lupin is a very clever, clever man. And if he was aware of the time turner, he would probably have just not mentioned that he saw a second Harry and Hermione. Theory number. I'm sorry, I'm still reeling. Theory number three. I never (laughs) picked up on this. Holy fuck, you observant little shit. Theory number three is that this is actually an issue with the Marauder's map. And it can't pick up on second timelines. It only picks up people who are there from that time. How okay. does it tell the difference? Can... If time, if, if going back in time is the same as living in the time, how does it pick up on what's real and what's going back? Can I float a fourth? Please float me. He may just not have noticed. And, and, no. and, no, he no, 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 no. Stick with this. So, Harry and Hermione at this point are like sort of, you know, they're towards the woods. They're on the mm-hmm. outskirts. Lupin would have been looking more towards the middle of the map, aka where the action is going down in the current time. Once you find someone, once you see their name, you don't keep looking. But the, ma- the map is established in this book as being actually quite small. Harry puts it in his pocket. Oh, it no, folds, but... Neil. I know it folds. It, Harry no, has yeah, But if he's pockets. looking at the grounds, he would have okay. seen. No, but there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are in Hogwarts. There are not in the people, grounds. But not in the grounds because they're not curfew. allowed out. There's a curfew. No, 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 for sure. But I, I, like, I agree. I think it's unlikely. However, I think it is plausible that once you see the name that you were looking for on something... You stop looking, especially if you have been like he's been alarmed by what he's seen. He's like, "Holy fuck! What the shit? My Earth has been shattered by this information." But I'm just gonna run and drop everything and stop looking. He's not looking for a particular name. I need a wee. He's just looking at the map. I agree. However, he still sees more in the center of the map. He would see them he would then stop looking like we covered this in the last chapter we say you know he he left the map there because he was so oh my god i just need to spring into action i'm just gonna stop you know the map is unlocked and i'm gonna run off and do this if he only saw those names he would not still keep looking for other names but the thing is I feel like as well the book establishes the area all this happens in is actually quite a small area of the grounds Hagrid's yeah. hut, where Buttbeak is, the edge of the woods and the lake are all yeah, really close together. For sure, like I, I am on your side that at the end of the day this mm. is a plot hole, a beautiful one that I've never noticed before because I've only looked for plot holes in the chapters where the action happens. Uh, but I would just say there is like a small plausibility that Lupin he only sees and then he stops looking. He sees the names of Peter Pettigrew, the, the rat dude, and, yeah, Peter Pettigrew, yeah. and Harry and Hermione, and he's like, "This is the information that I need. 
I get up now, I leave the map open as it is, and I fucking leg it. So I could maybe buy that he wouldn't be looking at the outskirts of the map. Mm, um, it could that could be it. Like that could be it, and that's a really like annoying, simplistic answer. I that feel like doesn't he's so really... observant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that's Lupin a that's notice. a really bullshit answer that relies on a lot of chance for him just to not notice those like mm. two other names. And I feel like the beauty of this whole time travel segment is it doesn't rely on chance at all. Yeah. There is not a single... Me- the only bit that relies on chance is that Harry doesn't clock that it's himself. Yeah. But it, that's the only, like, dicey bit of this whole thing. And that's what makes oh. the ending of it quite so beautiful. I'd also like to say for our dear listeners here, the only reason I spotted this plot hole is because when me and Hannah were in Prague last month, <gasps> you had to read four chapters of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I read it to Hannah. Neil procured the text I procured somewhere. the text. And you very kindly read it to me. It was actually a very nice and activity. While I really we, enjoyed those I enjoyed evenings. it too. And while we sat there drinking Mold many gallons of beers. Czech beer... There was so, so much cheap. liquid in us. It's so cheap. Yeah. Folks, go to the Czech Republic for cheap beer. It's incredible. Literally, wow. Like a pound a pint. Anyway, while we were sat there drinking loads of Czech beer, I was reading Harry Potter to you. I was doing all the voices, folks. It was oh, fun. Oh, yes. It was sexy. And uh, you were making notes. And while we were reading it, I remember spotting this moment and I started saying it to you, just the very, very beginning of it, and you went, stop. I did. Let's talk about this when we do the podcast. Because you've been booked in for this moment. So I asked you after your success in book two, (laughs) I basically said, you get to choose what you get first dibs on every book Mm. of what topic you want. And you went, time travel travel book three, I don't know what else. (laughs) It's just... This is probably my favourite moment in Harry Potter. This, right now. This whole thing. I can tell the fact um, that this po- this episode is already two hours. And I've still got... I could talk two hours, about 20 this minutes. so I much more. Just, oh my, like... Uh, I just, it's incredible. Whenever I've like dissected this, it's been in the pinnacle like time travel. But that throwaway fucking comment that fucking Lupin, Lupin destroys it all. Oh, fuck, you've ruined it, Jake. No. Like, unless you or can buy... It? Oh, no, I don't have a point to follow that up with. I'm just saying there's many things you could... uh... Yeah, like, unless you buy into the he genuinely, he saw Harry, Hermione, Ron and Peter on the map and Sirius and he was like, I know what's happened. He he goes up and this is what we discussed in the last um, chapter, the fact that he just, he sees it, he reacts and he leaves the map there without locking it. Unless you buy into that theory that he genuinely just happened to by fucking chance miss them or that he was genuinely that clever that he saw the two instances and preemptive i mean either of those i could buy into but there is just no proof in the text so it just seems more like a plot hole yeah which is a shame because i always say this as like the most i keep using the word tight which is weird but like it's so well knitted this section and you've so just found tight. a fucking oh my God. huge hole in it. It's so tight. Shut up. <laughs> so, to get back to the fucking plot, they've rescued Buckbeak. They're sitting in the forest and they're watching themselves enter the tree. And Hermione chooses this moment to ask what stopped the Dementors because I fainted. What, what happened? And Harry admits that 
he saw someone cast Patronus and Hermione keeps pushing him. Well, who was it? Come on, you must have seen. Who was it? And Harry says, it was my dad. And Harry admits that he knows this sound man, but he really wonders that because everyone else from the Marauders is back tonight, whether his dad yeah. did come back. It literally breaks my heart. So it much. does. And he's I'm, just, he's like, you know, like someone tonight has managed to pull an act where he's suddenly alive again. Like, and it's mm. it's so clearly that wishful thinking side yeah. of him where he's just like, maybe, maybe, maybe. my dad, uh, even yeah. though that, that would, you know, pull a whole host of issues off. Where the fuck have you been? Yeah. And but, I'm like, I, I, I'm going to choose to say, and I hate it when I do this, but I'm going to choose to say I'm going to come back to this in the next chapter just because I feel it fits better. But what I'm going to say now is it's, it's a very adult question in this children's book to be like, maybe my father came back? Maybe my dead father? And you're right. Like, where yeah. the fuck has he been? Hmm. What's happening? Yeah. It is, in, it is in this chapter if you want to bring it up. No, I have a lot more notes in the next chapter when Dumbledore makes his speech. Oh, okay. But I'd also like to briefly smash this emotional moment into the ground. Stop! <laughs> because this precise moment is also incredibly, incredibly key to the time travel working. Okay. Harry does not realise that it is himself yes. that cast the Patronus yes. until the precise moment when Where he, he does, does it. it. And even then, he doesn't realise it's him. No, he, he only... does. No, he realises one second before it's explicit in the text. Oh, is it right there? Any Either way, he doesn't realise until the moment of or the moment exactly after he does it. One second. If he'd realised any time before that, it creates a paradox. Because, because he, he would... realises that it's him that has to do it, so... No, he does realise one second before, but surely it only matters before you go back. Once you've gone back, it doesn't. It stops mattering. Even then, it makes things a little wonkier. He realises one second before. But he only realises... One second before is fine, because oh. it's essentially him as he does it. Okay. But the only reason he goes to the lake is out of curiosity to see his father. He doesn't go to the lake to do it. He doesn't do any of this to do it. Yeah. He does it because of other reasons do you know he's so fucking clever i know like this is it's really frustrating it's incredible <laughs> like having neil mansplain this to me I mean, I, <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> having having neil I'm holding my own skull with how clever yeah. this is. like having neil explain this to me because i've got like limited understanding of time travel i can kind of like semi wrap my head around it but i'm not really familiar with like the different types or such but yeah this is the first time where i'm just like this kind of restore some faith in me being like yeah maybe she did kind of know like this is very like meticulously planned it this is, is like, genius you incredibly not planned. write this by chance without ha without having some throw line yeah throwaway we line fuck it up like this is like one of the only bits where i'm genuinely just like okay no she she knew yeah and for and a we, third we, book, yeah, oof. So, uh, we can having... throw whatever shit we want at her, but her writing here is impeccable. She is so talented in these chapters; it's it, it's unbelievable. Having seen the film many more times than I've read the book, terrible. Get out. I was concerned that I'd go back read the book and go, "Oh bugger, the film did it way better." Hmm. But the thing is, reading the book. All I can be is in absolute awe yeah. of the yeah. quality of this time travel writing. Yeah. It just hasn't been done this well in anything else I've read or seen. Yeah. It hasn't. 
And yeah. honestly, people listening, if you want to recommend me other great time travel fiction, ping it at me. Because yeah. I feel like I've only seen mostly just the basic bitch stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, there will be amazing indie. But I think, like, so many people criticise J.K. Rowling. And I, I feel like it's because, not only because she's a female writer, but also because she's just so mainstream that people will spend time mm-hmm. picking her writing apart more than, J.K. Rowling's so bad at dialogue. She's so bad at romance. She's romance. so bad at this. Wow, wow, wow. But, like, I, I'm sorry, you do not reach this level of cultural impact without just genuinely being an incredible writer and yeah. that, that's not to say that she's without her flaws everyone knows that I you know I hope knows that I'm the first to criticize her but she is genuinely an incredible and very well researched and very well thought out writer and, and I genuinely I have faith that she has thought out the majority of the things in the book there are one or two instances where I'm like that was retroactive but i i i genuinely believe that there is evidence for the most of it being thought out and it really annoys me when people dig into these kind of like minute things and try to say she made it up as she go go went along because i'm like you cannot pull off this third book no no. it may not be perfect but it is so close whereas most people that any like even time try to slightly touch on time travel just balls it up yeah beyond repair which is where i found game of thrones season six to be intensely interesting so season six is pretty good because it is one of the few times other than this where i have seen a closed loop time travel done perfectly so we're at the moment spoilers 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 but the point is bran has this magical power to not go back in time per se but kind of warg back in time into someone else's viewpoint well that's his own viewpoint isn't it mm. the tv show kind of messes it up in it's comparison his own to the books viewpoint. The, the books make it messier but it is his basically he can go back in time he can't directly affect anything per se he's just there as a seer he's there to look yeah. at the, what in, is going in on the, in the tv show he can direct, slight ever well, so slightly directly this is what makes it interesting mm. So there's one instance previously where Bran makes his father in the past turn around for a second. Which is chilling. Which is chilling because it implies that he can change things, but it doesn't change very much, so it's fine. We can we can let them get away. But it sets but up the fact he might be able to change it things. It sets up the fact that he might be able to change things. Now, Bran doesn't go back in time to do anything to do with Hodor. Bran goes back in time to just sort of what witness some more stuff happening in Winterfell, right? Yeah, he happens to be... In Winterfell, looking back at stuff, learning as the climax of the plot happens in the present. He doesn't go back to do what ends up happening and changing the future. He goes back to just witness some stuff. What's happening in the present is that Bran is in grave danger. They've got a load of zombies running after them. And they need to get Bran back so he can walk into Hodor to get him to hold the door. What ends up happening is Bran can hear what's happening in the present. He walks into Hodor in the past to get him to hold the door in the future, which causes Hodor in the past to go insane. The only thing he can then say is Hodor, which is what we've known forever as the only thing Hodor can say. So therefore it's closed loop. Therefore it's closed loop. Yeah. Because he doesn't Hodor, go ba- Hodor has always been Hodor. Mm. 
Hodor, and, and it's mentioned very early on, like literally in the first season, it's like, we don't know why he's Hodor. So it's mentioned very early on that he's been Hodor for as long as we can remember. So so what? although we all villainize Bran, and I personally do, for what he did to Hodor, what he did to Hodor was always going to happen exactly. because it was already done. From the very first moment in episode one of Game of Thrones, or episode two, whenever Hodor is first introduced, it was destined that that was going to happen. Yeah, Bran that, actually had no part to play in what happened because it had already happened. That is basically a very long-form version of what we're seeing happen right here in Prisoner of Azkaban, mm. in that all we're seeing is things that have already happened happening. Now, I'd like to just continue the Game of Thrones tangent very briefly, if that's okay. I mean, I've never been so hot, but yeah. The, the, problem, <laughs> the problem is that... Benioff and Vice then decided to not tackle this ever again. They yeah. rushed season seven and season eight Let's not talk mm-hmm. about so it. damn hard no, stop talking about that they never revisited Bran's highly, highly interesting powers ever again. Some people, I've read a lot of takes on this online, some people believe this is because they just didn't feel the need to. That was its plot device. That was, that was it. That was the plot. That was Bran's plot. But I just don't think that's the case. Because it is known, I believe, that the Hodor thing is one of the last things that Benioff and Vice were told by George R. R. Martin. Yeah. That is from the man himself. That is almost certainly going to happen in the books. And this is where I'd like to give a shout out to a YouTuber. By the way, guys, we're, we're now, you hadn't noticed, a Game of Thrones podcast. We're really sorry to anyone that was really invested in us finishing the books, but we just decided that the next... 1,000 episodes will just be us screaming into the void about the last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, let let the yelling begin. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, I'd like to give a shout out to a fella on YouTube who calls himself Hello Future Me. Hello. He did a phenomenal video called Let's Rewrite the Battle of Winterfell, where he takes season eight, episode three of Game of Thrones, rewrites it, keeping all the ramifications roughly the same, but changing little things in the plot to just make it fit in better with the rest. And one of the key things he changes, spoilers for the video, I guess, but anyway, one of the key things he changes is that Bran tries to go back in time to warn the Mad King, before he was mad, about what was going to happen with the Night King in the future. He goes back in time to say to the Mad King, you need to like cache some wildfire under Winterfell so we can blow it up when the White Walkers get there. In doing that, he causes the Mad King to go mad, something we have always known to be something that happens. And it is just... I know. It's I know. beautiful. You need to watch the video, because when I first learned that, I was like, my body is chilled. It's beautiful. If I could give the rights to redo the last two seasons of Game yeah. of Thrones to anybody, it'd be that it's man. this fella. Yeah. Hello, yeah. future me on YouTube. Seriously, yeah. it, he is. He's a genius. Yeah. At this point, anyone could do better than what. Well, happens. yeah. I think it, it's a monkey typewriter situation. Yeah. In yeah. The, we'd come up with a better plot eventually. Yeah. But this guy did it. And not only did he do uh. it, but he did it staying within the bounds of what Benioff and Rice wrote yeah. anyway. Like, the thing is, like, at this Almost. point, and we are just turning... I'm really sorry we're turning into the Game of Thrones podcast now. Welcome. We, we will have put in the description the minutes to skip. But, like, at this point, 
because you know who knows if uh, like George will ever fucking finish it. He will finish I, the I, book. I, I fully believe everything we need to finish it is already within the published text. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He will not just throw a fucking no. uh, what was it awful Doctor Who writer out? What's his name? Oh, Stephen Moffat. Don't yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, him dude. in this house. Like he he will not he will not do a Stephen Moffat. Like it will already be in the text. Were so... you just referencing the boomerang from Sherlock when you were doing that hand action? Because <laughs> yes. that was um, a whole different. A but yeah, he he will not do that. So I a hundred percent believe that everything we need to finish Game of Thrones the way it should have finished. I also think is in the text. And this is like a semi hot take, but it's also quite a cold take. It's a medium. The, take. the books will. You don't even know what the take I'm about to say is yet. The books will end exactly the same way the TV show does. I knew that take. I said that take to people. Don't take my take. I'm not taking your take. I think where all the characters end up will be precisely the same. I'm not stealing your take. This is a common take. Cut cut the arguing bit out. But anyway, the the point is, I think all the characters will end up in the same places. But they will get there in drastically different ways over a much longer form. I don't disagree. I wish I did, but I I don't disagree. The only one I'm not sure will happen is I don't think... Oh, God, this is going to be book spoilers now. I'm not sure I can be bothered. No, don't book spoilers. Uh, No, yeah. Yes, okay. Come on. Okay. Right. This has been been Game of Thrones with Goblet of Wine. Shall we go back to Harry Potter? So, literally, I'm still on like... Bullet point eight. If anyone wants to know, I don't know if you're going to keep that in, but if anyone wants to know what I was about to say, just tweet me. Yeah, DM Neil. DM Neil. Neil something. So Harry and Hermione realise they need to move away from Lupin because they're hiding in the shadows of the trees, but Lupin is going to run into the forest. So they go to Hagrid's cabin, but Harry, within about a minute, realises that he needs to at least see what's going on. So runs back out to the lake but as soon as he runs back out of Hagrid's cabin, his curiosity gets the better of him. And he's like, I have to see who Parker Patronus yeah. is. Because in his heart, he truly fucking believes it's his dad, which is the most it's heartbreaking so thing. Oh, like, also, oh my God. One of the things I quite like that the film added is the whole Hermione going off into the woods and going, awoo, thing. Because she yeah. doesn't realise she has to do that until the moment and therefore it keeps the closed loop. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite good. I don't like the bit where she's like, that was so scary. I'm like, get out. Or what one could argue yeah. based on how confidently she does it that she's already figured out. But as we've established, the film kind of ruins the closed loop anyway because she sees yeah. herself. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. Anyway. And just comments on her hair in the moment. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so, does my hair really look like that from the back? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does, Neil. Yes, it does, Neil. <laughs> We've been trying to tell you. Yeah. So at the moment that actually breaks my heart, Harry's watching the lake and says, come on, Dad, come on. Yeah. Mm. So he actually calls out loud verbally for his dad. And this was, and like, I don't tear up very often reading Harry Potter because I've read it so much. And even though we're doing a close reading, I've read it so much that I very rarely get emotional nowadays. But I actually welled up at this line. I got a little teary at this and something that happens in a few paragraphs time, which is probably going to be the same thing that you've written. It might be, but it's just, he wants his dad so much. And Harry so often, because he never, obviously he met his parents who lived with them for like a year and a half, but because he never has a memory, a, a real memory of spending time with them, we kind of 
always take it for granted that he doesn't miss them. But in this moment, he's calling upon his dad because he doesn't know who else to turn to. And he's so desperate and it's so fucking sad. Like, it really is. And again, so importantly, from a time travel perspective, he doesn't know it's him that cast it yet. But in that moment, after he calls for his dad, in a split second, he realises it was himself. And in that moment, he throws himself out of the bushes and cast the Patronus. And it's a weird moment because he realizes he realizes that rescuers don't always come. In the first in the first book, Dumbledore came to pull Quirrell off him. In the second book, Falk came to bring him the sorting hat. In this book, he has to realize that it is himself that is coming to save him. No yeah. external person. He calls out loud for his dad. But in fact, no external person is going to save him, not even his own dad. It's him that has to throw himself out of the bushes and save him. And it's a very important bridge. It's what you were saying earlier, that very important bridge between book one and two and the last four books, mm-hmm. where we're beginning to realise that it's an adult novel, but that Harry is having to make the decisions here over what he's doing and these decisions he's having to make in these very hard decisions. He is having to save himself yeah. and Hermione and Sirius. He has to do it. And I, I really appreciate that we're in Harry's head as he realises this. Yes. Also, I quite often forget that Harry doesn't murder Quirrell in cold blood in the book. <laughs> no, he doesn't murder Quirrell. Stop thinking that. There's no murder there. Stop. <laughs> he casts a perfect Patronus. And as it canters back to him, he realises it's a stag. And in his head, he goes prongs this is the bit that made me tear up when i read it and then he reaches out to touch it no but don't but also like i would never look at a stag and be like hmm prongs i would like i don't know he's already heard the word prongs but no 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 but even if i'd i'd heard the word prongs i'd like maybe i'd look at fondue set and be like "Mm, prongs (laughs) But like not a stag. No, but I think in the context of everything that's happened. In everything that's happened. He's found out about Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs. He's He actually asked what was my dad? And it it was in such a heated moment no one answered him. So Mm. he has been waiting to find this out. I guess, but still Prongs for me says fondue. But also he was thinking about his dad in that moment anyway. Yeah. Yeah. His dad was in his head as in coming to rescue him. And in a sense, his dad did rescue him. Yeah. This is what's so amazing. He called out loud to the universe for his dad to rescue him. And in the end, Harry had to save himself. But in a sense, his dad did save him because his dad lives through Harry in what his Patronus becomes. His dad's spirit lives through Harry in the way Harry acts about himself. Harry's A lot of Harry's bravery comes from his... A, belief in his parents' bravery and B, his want to avenge his parents. So therefore, Harry's dad lives through Harry. So Harry's dad did save him in that moment. Yeah. Oh, Really beautiful writing. (laughs) It is. So Hermione appears and Harry explains what happened. They watch until they see McNair going to get the Dementors and then they fly Buckbeak up to the tower to try to save Sirius. And this is the moment where the loop ends. Because it is established before they go back in time that Sirius hasn't had the kiss yet, which is, of course, incredibly important to the fact they go back in time. So the loop, at some point in this sequence, ends. 
and there is no loop anymore. They are just them. They are back. They are the only instances of themselves. No, when they arrive back to Dumbledore, they're still in the hospital wing. Dumbledore says, I can hear you going. Oh, oh this is another thing I wanted to talk late. about. It's very late. This is another thing I wanted to talk about. It is actually super, super dumb that Hermione thinks they need to get back there before they've travelled back. I get that they can't leave much time because, because of the they locking need to get, of the door. And they need to get back into the beds. But if they'd got back there before they travelled back, that would break the loop in horrendous, horrendous ways. But you're wrong about the fact that they broke the loop. Yes, at this no, point. you're right. No, yeah, I'm wrong that they finished the loop here because they don't actually finish the loop until seconds before they go back to the hospital wing. Mm-hmm. But this is the moment where it comes full circle in that they've just been told to go back in time to save Syria. If they'd been told this a few minutes later, the Dementor's kiss would have already happened, and this wouldn't happen. And once the Dementor happens it happens because it's closed loop time travel and what's happening is happening exactly so if they go back to save sirius from something that's already happened that is no longer closed loop or at least something that they're aware of happening that's why it's also so important that they don't know buckbeak's dead it's this gets so complicated like it is it's beautiful beautiful writing but that is actually something that i also thought was kind of dumb is that hermione's like we need to get back there before we go back no you don't because if you get back there before you go back you're going to screw this whole thing up. You need to get back there just after yep. you've gone back. Or within yeah. a couple of minutes, not before. Because yeah. if she'd run into the hospital wing ten minutes before, oh my god, all hell would have broken loose. Yeah, yeah. and it's not like Dumbledore would be like, actually, you're uh, 47 minutes late. I'm locking these motherfucking doors. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah, Dumbledore... <sighs> Dumbledore wouldn't have been at fault then either, actually. Mm. If Hermione had gone back too early and caused I mean, they paradoxes. would have waited outside. Hermione's not stupid. Yeah. They would yeah, have she, waited outside the doors She's until... not stupid. I just find it really interesting how desperate she is to get back. Because of the locking. It's because of the locking, but Dumbledore would... But we know that five minutes later, Snape and Fudge arrived. So they had to get there in time for... But they don't know that. No, but they know... So, um... so they climb onto Buckteeth. Fly to Sirius's they wing. What? Climb onto Buckbeak. They what? Fly. Climb onto Buckbeak. 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 They climb onto Buckbeak. They fly to Sirius's window, and Hermione unlocks it using Alohomora. And then the text says, "It's lucky that Black was thin enough to fit through the window." Thanks for that, <laughs> Joe. Thanks. You That's... wrote a really good few chapters, and then you were like. Oh, let's just mention that someone's thin enough and that's lucky to fit through a fucking window. That's also, not how skinniness works. <laughs> this is a, uh, this is a dumb thing. And then thing. his bones and muscles shrunk because he hadn't eaten. This is a dumb thing they changed in the films, which almost makes it make more sense. Hermione doesn't open the window with a low Hamora. She uses Bombarda. Yeah. She blows a hole in the side no, of the that's, tower. No, that's her trying to make her seem more cool. I'm glad she just uses a low Hamora. Equally, I liked it. Okay. I liked her using Alohomora because it just makes more damn sense. You wouldn't blow a yeah. hole in the side of the castle. Don't to do blow this. holes in unnecessary stupid, things. Stupid, 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 trying to make her seem more cool. However, given how thin the tower is implied to be in the book, 
She probably should have used Bombarda. No, no, they're not in a tower. They're in Flitwick's office. You're right. It's just either a window. Way, either way, it's implied that the window is quite thin. Maybe she should have blown a hole in it. And Black could fit through because he hasn't eaten anything and he's not fat. Which is dumb Thumbs as hell. Thumbs up. Thanks, Joe. Dumb as yeah. hell. Thank you yeah. for implying that fat people are evil so couldn't fit through the window. Thanks for that. Is it established why they... Cow. I can't remember. Is it established why they lock him in Flitwick's classroom and no. not just a tower? no. Because no. surely a towel would no. make no sense. No. Chapter 22 at well, fucking last. Oh well, my no, no. Hold on, oh I've got no. a few more notes. Uh, so, oh, shitting hell, so Hannah. We're not, we're not doing chapter 23. So they get to the top of the, the tower that Black is flying off from. Um, and Black and Buckbeak are described as silhouetted against the open sky, which is really beautiful because the open sky represents their freedom. And it's a very beautiful mm-hmm. metaphor mm-hmm. for their freedom. And now that we finish the time travel, I would like to just very briefly restate the four reasons why it bloody well works. What, why are you Go for it, Neil. Does it not just make sense just to sum it yeah. up? Because this is what I wrote down. And yeah, we've, yeah, not, yeah. we've not actually... Go for it. I said key points. Number one, Dumbledore is the instigator. Mm-hmm. Number two, the Dementor's kiss has not happened yet. Okay. Number three, they didn't see and they don't know that Buckbeak has died. Number four... Harry doesn't know who conjures the Patronus and he doesn't know that time travel exists. Hot. Those are the four, in my opinion, main reasons why this works. Yeah. Chapter 22. Owl post again. Yay! So they run back to the hospital wing trying desperately to make it in time. They tell Dumbledore that they did it. They go back inside and Dumbledore locks them in. A few minutes later, they hear yelling, Fudge saying that he must have disapparated. Snape says that he couldn't have and that Potter definitely did it. Mm -hmm. Fudge says that he's been locked in the entire time and it couldn't possibly be Potter. Snape confronts Harry saying that, what did you do? You definitely helped him. And and Dumbledore butts in with saying, no, Harry and Hermione couldn't have been in two places at once, which A, is fantastic because Dumbledore... But B, this is what lets us know that not all the teachers know about the time turner. I would quite like to know where this thing came from, because I've heard it from multiple places that all the teachers know that Hermione has the time turner. So I assumed they had until reading this sentence. But I have read multiple people, because I've been doing doing a lot of reading as well, just to make sure that my points aren't absolutely insane. And I've seen other people quote this as fact, that all the teachers know that Hermione has the time turner. And if they do, then Snape is either completely blinded by rage here, or he's a dum-dum. No, he doesn't know, because Dumbledore is goading him by saying that Harry and Hermione can't be in two places at once, which implies that Snape doesn't know. Snape cannot know if Dumbledore is goading him. So my theory would be that maybe, just to make all of this work, the only three that know about it, other than Hermione, are Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Lupin. Those are the only three. Mm. Which is a really, really random combination. Mm. Well, time turning is kind of a dark art. Sense. Huh? Dumbledore and McGonagall make sense. Yeah, but then yeah. why Lupin? No, that uh, doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I, I would potentially class time turning under dark arts. Mm. Yeah. You could yeah. also class it under charms, I guess, but I think it's a little more than charms. So Madame Pomfrey backs up that they haven't left their beds. And then it's the <laughs> next day. They're Yay. out by the lake. They've explained everything to Ron and they're just kind of all chatting. And then Hagrid walks over, clearly hungover, 
What a yes. mood. Yeah. Absolute party mood. A tomorrow morning mood. mood. <laughs> He's like, the text is like, he had bleary eyes and was kind of blurring. And I'm like, it's... Me constantly. A mood. Yep. But he tells them that Buckbeak escaped, but also that Lupin has resigned. And then he tells them that Snape told all the Slytherins at black breakfast that Lupin is a werewolf, which is such a dick move. Absolute Ooh. dick move. Also, this moment here is kind of not key to the time travel as such. Oh, for God's sake, Neil. I know, I know. This is the last one. He was like, my one point. I promise this is the last one. It's not that it's key to the time travel, but it just solidifies something we assume during the time travel, which is that they don't know Buckbeak's dead. Because in theory, someone could have told them in the meantime they, something yeah. could have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the moment where they quote unquote find out for the first time that Buckbeak has died and they have to act hasn't died hasn't died hasn't Hasn't died died. hasn't died and they have to act surprised yeah and that solidifies that yep okay they definitely didn't know beforehand whether he had or hadn't yeah and that makes it all work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now I'll shut up about time travel no don't oh thank god (laughs) thank you everybody for having me so Harry (laughs) okay go away now Neil thank you so Harry's like I'm gonna go see Lupin so he goes up to his classroom and has it confirmed that he's resigned because Lupin can't risk putting children in danger again oh man which is so heartbreaking because he didn't intentionally put anyone in danger but did put people in danger. Have you guys discussed the whole HIV werewolf thing? Oh, yeah. Why right. don't I, you I s- listen to our podcast? I screamed about it at length in that episode. Okay. You Melissa. should listen to our podcast. I can't listen to podcasts at work anymore. Yeah, it's really fucking sad because Lupin didn't ever mean to hurt anyone and he was always so careful, but he's had to resign or he feels he's had to resign. And it's tricky because like you just said, he did just put these kids in danger and he knows that. And yeah, he knows he that he this could happen again. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a mistake and it was an accident, but mistakes happen in mm. life and he cannot guarantee that the same mistakes won't happen again. It's so yeah. tragic. It is. Yeah. So he gives Harry back the map. And the invisibility cloak. And the invisibility cloak. You are you are very correct and then dumbledore comes in he tells remus that his carriage is waiting for him well lupin leaves and harry says that everything that they did didn't make any difference and it's a really interesting end to the book and it's what we were talking about last episode or last chapter it's a lot more melancholy than the other books and it's a bridge between the first two and the fourth the change from a childhood book to an adult book but also it's a lesson that nothing especially when you're an adult, ends perfectly happily. Like, Mm -hmm. Harry needs to take pride in what he did. And currently, he's not taking pride in the fact that Sirius and Buckbeak are free. He's only seeing the bad points that that Pettigrew got away. And it's different from book one and two, where everything was happy and everything got fixed. There are two halves to this. Pettigrew got away and is probably going to join Voldemort. But Harry freed Sirius. And he needs to learn that he needs to take what happiness he can have from that because taking what happiness you can have now it is going to be important in your life like yeah taking what pride and happiness you can have is all you can do because you don't know what's gonna happen moving forward and it, it that's a very adult thing to be trying to put across 
in a children's book and you can tell these books are getting more mature because that that is it, it's just a very mature idea to mm-hmm. be putting that across in a children's book so harry then tells dumbledore about charlie's prediction he's mm. like uh so on the topic of um uh, uh something um trelawney said that a servant will join lord voldemort and dumbledore's like wow i think that's her second real prediction I should give her a pay rise. Absolutely savage. <laughs> wow, Dumbledore. Yeah. Brilliant. What a fucking line. Yeah. I think I may have asked you this at some other point, but is it established in a later book what her other correct prediction is? What? Yeah. What the fuck are you on about, <laughs> Neil? Fuck Holy fuck. That's oh. the main oh. plot point of is book five. Is it the five. prophecy? Yeah. That's her. Pro- yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Okay, cool. oh, my God, Neil. It's been a while. Have you oh. read Harry Potter? Yeah, I have. But I forgot because the films just totally kind of butcher that whole that point. That hurt me. Okay, that's what I thought. But I also didn't want to jump in with, does she tell the prophecy? Because I was worried you'd have the exact same reaction you just had if I was wrong. I'm going to keep this that is, in. This is why we don't like Neil, everyone. <laughs> okay, but folks, keep in mind, I am about to reread 5, 6, and 7. That so. doesn't make we you cannot good. wait. Neil's going to start a competing podcast. <laughs> Literally, I'm, I'm going to do, like, not like Potter more, but like Potter less, like as if I haven't read them before. <gasps> wow. How wow. Where did you get that idea, wow, Neil? That, that's so innovative. I Wow. Wow. Potter less. Wow. Wow. So then Dumbledore says that Peter's now in Harry's debt and that <gasps> the time may come that Harry will be glad that he saved his life. And Harry does a typical Harry thing where he's like, huh, that oh, sounds like some soppy kind of bullshit. What the fuck is that? I don't want to be um it's such fantastic setup like i don't know if jk Rowling fully thought through like how peter was going to die mm-hmm. at this point but she said i think she said in infuse that she wanted each of the marauders to die for harry yeah mm. and i think she obviously knew that at this point because she knew that she wanted peter to die for harry's cause at this point yeah and but it also just teaches you something about the I think it teaches you something about the acts you do are carried forward even if it doesn't have payoff at the time you do it. Yeah. Like, what, it, it, every decision you make has consequences even if it's not at the time you do it. At some point, it reverberates back to you. Yeah, it, it's long-term gratification versus instant grat- gratification. Yeah, and it, yeah. and it works both as gratification and bad things. If you do something terrible, well, yeah. it might not have consequences immediately when you do it, but years down the line, you will feel the repercussions of that. Yeah. So Harry tells Dumbledore about thinking that he was James. He's like, oh, I, I thought I saw my dad. And Dumbledore says the line, you think the dead we have loved ever truly leave us. And it's very like beautifully comforting. And, it, and again, it's very deep for a children's book, but it's written in a way that children can understand. At the age we're reading it now, at this yeah. point that we're doing like, oh, we're rereading it. We've all experienced death in a lot of ways. But I think, we forget that although these are meant to be children's books and i think what a lot of writers who write children's books a lot of them forget and this is this why harry potter is so successful is that children experience death it's not something they're cut off from these books were aimed at like teens preteens, and those ages are not cut off from death they've not not experienced this and writers who don't incorporate that kind of thing into their text that's the reason those books aren't so successful because it's not about shielding children from the fact that death happens. It's about finding ways to explain to them yeah. how they should 
process and cope with death. And I think Dumbledore is the perfect example in this moment of how children can find ways to cope with death, saying, you think the dead we have loved ever truly leave us. And it's also very interesting because it's like, it's a very secular belief. Like, it's what you were talking about earlier about how Harry Potter kind of has an afterlife that we learn about in later books. In this book, we don't know about that afterlife technically. And these books were written for children to read, not of any particular religion, although J.K. Rowling has roots in Christianity herself. But everyone has this idea in their back of their mind that the dead are with us, whatever we do. Even if you don't believe in any sort of afterlife, if you've loved someone, they've altered you in some way. Your behaviour and the way you act towards humans and the memories you carry have shaped you. Therefore, who you have loved does change you. Therefore, Mm -hmm. they live through you. Yeah. And that's what the books are trying to say. But in a way, they explain it to 13-year-olds. And it's just so amazing that it puts this. And also, it's so emotional that Dumbledore explains this in this moment. And it's also the Marauders coming together. Like, Harry wonders, did the Marauders ride together again that night one last time? And they did. James has been dead 13 years. But the Marauders did ride again that night. Prongs Road, road, cantered, was in the grounds with everyone else. Yeah. With, with the rest of the Marauders. And it's, oh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it is. So Harry ends the year feeling really shitty about, uh, you know, everything. How variety of things. Life. Mm. Uh, and then the twins of Percy gets their results, which just doesn't make any fucking sense with what we see later on. Like later on when Harry, Ron and Hermione get their get their exam results, it's in like kind of the middle end of summer. Oh yeah. Whereas and then, oh. Yeah. Whereas now Percy and the twins just get their results at the end of the year, which is really fucking speedy marking. Oh no. Oh what? no. What what has that that has that destroyed the time travel? No, deal? it's just destroyed. It's funny exam you should results. say that. <laughs> it's established in the initial timeline. <laughs> So Hermione tells them that she's dropping muggle studies so that next year between that and divination, she won't have to use the time turner. Hannah has her hand up as if she's in class. Yes, Mrs. Twig. What would you like, Miss Twig? I'm not married. Hermione says that having dropped muggle studies and divination previously, that she'll be down to a normal timetable. But she still studies one more subject, one more elective than Harry and Ron, which is never fully explained. So how is she at a normal timetable when Ron and Harry never have free periods and Hermione takes one more subject than them? Yeah. Mm. We'll just ignore that, shall we? Yeah. Let's move on let's, from it. Let's not think about Don't that. think too much about it. She's got one more subject than them. Yeah. Um, also, why can't she just sit the fucking Muggle Studies OWL exam? I don't understand why she has to study it. Yeah. She could still just sit the exam. And yeah. on that note... All Muggleborns should just sit the Muggle Studies OWL. The same way that how many people in our year who were had parents of different heritages who were born in different countries mm. took the A level or GCSE exam of the language they were fluent in to be able to have an extra exam. Yeah, quite a few people did do without that. ever studying it. They were yeah. just like, "Oh, I'm going to take my German A level yeah. so that I have an extra subject." Obviously, as you should. Therefore, all Muggleborns should just be like, I'm going to sit the Muggle Studies OWL just so I get an extra OWL. 
as Hermione should. She doesn't have to turn up to the lessons to take the OWL. I find oh, it quite a problematic plot hole in Harry Potter in general that wizards know so little about muggles because yeah. so many wizards are muggle-born. So they should know absolutely or just everything like, about just... Even if you're raised by wizards, surely you're not that separated. Like, right. The communities are not that big. It's not... I don't know. I find it utterly bizarre. They're that... that No, but they're that prejudiced. That's how prejudiced they are. No, but it's not even about the prejudice at that point. It's yeah. just about complete lack of knowledge. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I find it very unusual that Mr. Weasley knows so little for a man of his age who literally works in the Ministry of Magic. Well, this is... And his job is in a mongrel department. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's quite it's... worrying, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So Ron tells Harry that he has to come visit for the Quidditch World Cup over the summer and Harry gets really excited and I'm just like, oh, boys. Hermione apparently passes one of her exams with 320%. Oh, it's muggle yeah. studies. Yeah. But I, I feel like that is one of the last moments of the J.K. Rowling whimsy that's there in the first book where yeah. it's just something that's really dumb and doesn't make any sense but mm-hmm. it's there for fun. Yeah. There's extra credit questions sometimes. Yeah, but... I don't Not know. 320 It's just kooky, no. you know? Yeah. It's kind of silly. So a, a tiny owl appears outside yeah, the window and it's carrying a letter from Sirius and it's this like comforting letter being like, I hope you're okay, like blah, blah, blah. Um, It explains some of the last plot holes, not plot holes, but plot points, mm-hmm. that Sirius is the one that bought Harry the Fireball, which I love, that makes Hermione really pleased. She gets all smug yeah. and it's like, Ron's like, he wasn't trying to kill him just because you were right. It gives Harry permission to visit Hogsmeade, which Harry has to personally hand this note to Dumbledore because no one else knows Sirius yeah. Black isn't a murderer. He can't go to McGonagall with this note. He has yeah. to go and hand this to Dumbledore on the first Dumbledore day of term. Tell, um, tell McGonagall though. Yeah, they're I like, think they're so. BFFs. No, no, because we know that she doesn't find out till the end of book four because Ooh. there's a reveal at the end of book four of Sirius in front of McGonagall. Oh, I can't wait for that shit. Ah. Oh, excited. And then there's a PS <laughs> that Ron should keep the owl as he ah. no longer has a rat and Ron makes Crookshank sniff, sniff the owl. Which I just, I love that Ron now trusts Crookshank that know. much. Oh and, my heart. and that he's willing to admit that. I like, know. Like, oh, absolute pure pure gold pure this book just really rounds off all the strings it had by being like yeah. ron being like sniff this hell yeah. yeah i also really love the bit in the letter where sirius apologizes for giving harry a little fright when he was a dog yeah. like so, when, i'm sorry i scared you yeah i'm sorry i scared you at privet drive i just had to see you but Aww. i think i gave you a bit of a fright so cute so really then cute. harry meets up with the dursleys and he tells them about sirius and he's basically like yeah so my Godfather, that's a fucking serial killer. Murderer! Yeah. (laughs) I love the way he phrases it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not wrong. He says he's a convicted murderer. Yeah. Yeah. Not an actual Mm. murderer, just a convicted murderer. Brilliant. Yeah. No admission of guilt. (laughs) And book three is over. I have done. I have four points to finish us off. Oh, fuck off. So, my first point is it's a great end to a rapidly maturing series um Mm -hmm. we begin to realize that there's going to be a wider story the first two books are quite succinct in the way they could be standalone yeah book three really sets up the fact there's going to be more shit going on there's no voldemort in this book which is kind Mm. of nice 
but his effects are there. Throughout. Yeah, obviously. But it's kind of nice. There's no Voldemort present, yeah. and I think that's what makes it a lot of people's favorites. Yeah. Um. There's lots of complex themes about family, friends, death, depression, illness. It just basically mm. gets, it gets a lot more heavy. grown up. It gets yeah. uh, very heavy, but never in a way that it's cut off from a 13-year-old. A 13-year-old yeah. could read this. This is the thing. I feel like when I read this book as a kid, I wouldn't have even been 13. I don't think I clocked a lot of the heavy themes. Yeah. No, yeah. And reading it again now, it's like, oh my God, there's an awful lot going on here Yeah, that is incredibly well handled. Yeah, very well handled. And my final point, my most spicy take... <laughs> Is it the best written Harry Potter book? Yeah. I mean, based on the time travel element alone, yeah. That, yeah. That's the spicy take. It's it's just incredibly well My written. mind could be changed by future books because we haven't done the close reading of them yet, but so yeah. far, it's the best written I, book. I, yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a lot to be said for Seven. But... At four is my personal favourite, but it doesn't make it the best written. Yeah, no, I love it. it. It's when shit starts to get real. Yeah. I think we've said that before many, <laughs> many times. But yeah, it, it's a beautiful book. It handles time travel exceptionally well for what it is. It's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. It is. Thank you for having me on it's to so, talk about that. It's so different from all the others. It really stands alone, but starts to feed into it, the wider story. It breaks story. the mould. It's like, you know, J.K. Rowling's kind of been like, okay, you know, what I've been doing so far is really successful, but I'm just going to fuck that up for a I'll second. I'll try this. Like, really just show people what she can do. Yeah. And she does it wonderfully. Yeah. It's like um, a mate of mine quite often makes this point about bands. Is that when bands aren't big yet, when bands aren't ultra huge, they still want to do something different. They do crazy, crazy stuff. But then when they get big, they maybe do things a little bit more pedestrian. Yeah. This is J.K. Rowling's weird ass third album that's actually brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, is no, the one where is. she went, hey, let's just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Time travel. And then yeah. in book five, she was like, kill it. I can't do it, kill it. Exactly. <laughs> and then Curse Child, she was like, I'm really fucking drunk right now. Yeah. <laughs> I um, need more money for some reason. Yeah. Curse Child was the awful return to experimentation that oh, bands yeah. often do that never quite works like it did the first yeah, time. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was the, you know, the boy band decided to reform. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Ah! How do you feel about the fact, Hannah, we finished three Don't books. look at me. Don't look at me. Don't we like did. I made three all these notes about the fact books. that we've finished book three, but I didn't want to think about the fact we have been finished three books. So um, we have an announcement. We're stopping here. <laughs> no, we're no, no, we're, we're not. We're now on to the chonky ones. We, I was about to say, they're about to get long They as get hell. really thick. Thick um, books. <laughs> these have been small books. Small. We're going to get thick books. Like what's yep. Goblet like? almost double the size of yeah. this one no mm -hmm. over double yeah jesus yeah uh we need to start reading faster and drinking <laughs> less <laughs> i don't know you've got years of content <laughs> it blows my nut that you know we've gone three books in and i really don't know how we how we've stuck stuck with this so now we do that thing where the last two books we've kind of rounded up our feelings about the book as a whole and how we're feeling about the podcast why, in general why do we do this because we're just like know. i loved this book <laughs> no okay but the last one we both agreed it was our least favorite and then we kind of rounded up our feelings when we finished so i said at the beginning that this was my least favorite for most of my life and then it slid into the top three yeah. for the last few years 
And in all honesty, I think it's now my second favourite. Like, this is fucking fantastic. Ooh, what's your third favourite that it's taken over? Don't ask her that. Six. Six. I knew you liked six. I thought it might be six. Six. I, yeah, I like it. It's good. It's it's a book. Uh, I'm I'm vaguely familiar with the series. Jesus, uh, stop, stop, uh, say no, something more. <laughs> no, like, uh, no, it's it. Yeah, I, I I don't know what to say. I love Harry Potter. My answer for every single one of these books is just gonna be like, I really love Harry Potter. Like, it's also three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it is. As a um, as a kid, Chamber was always my favorite. You fucking, you just love that. That silky bitch. I also just, I loved the twist. Yeah. As a kid, I absolutely adored that twist and it stuck with me for years. As if, you know, brilliant. there's not enough twists in this book. Yeah, no, Jesus, this book is like twist. twist for some reason, hell, Neil. I twist think, and shout. I think that is the first twist that really stuck with me yeah. in mm. literature. Bar maybe, well, I say literature, but in media, bar maybe Luke, I am your father. Oh, boy, oh, no. oh my god, Neil, you just ruined that oh, for so I'm many so people. Sorry. So many people. All of those people that have read Harry Potter but not seen the film with the stars and the the. I love war. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I love Star Trek. Star Trek's the best. That that JJ Abrams that does the <laughs> wonderful things with the naked women. But I love Sounds now fun. that I'm sort of, you know, I've grown up. I've grown up somewhat. I think Prisoner may well be my favourite. However, I'm looking forward to rereading Five, Six, Seven. Yeah, bear in mind you haven't read Five, Six, and Seven since they were published. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, um, this this has been a podcast where we discuss. Avengers Age of Ultron and Game of Thrones. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another season. I don't know why you do it because we this was a load of bullshit. But we love you. We love you. Thank so, you for having me Thank you me for on. sticking with us for another season. And on to the chonky books. Yay! Yay! Oh, Woo! Lord, they coming. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod, on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast, and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer-level patrons, Veronica, Nathan, Amanda, Mark, Sandra and Danny for their help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us, as well as gaining access to behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes, check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash gobletofwine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.